Drive Time on RTE Radio 1, sponsored by Zurich. When investment performance matters, make sure your savings are with Zurich. Visit zurich.ie to find out more. Drive Time on RTE Radio 1, sponsored by Zurich. Create a brighter future with a savings plan from Zurich. Visit zurich.ie to find out more. Drive Time on RTE Radio 1 with Sarah McInerney and Cormac O'Hara. An increased guard the presence in Dublin, a crackdown on youth offenders, more 24-hour public transport and safe taxi hubs are among proposals made to government by Dublin Town. The document highlights issues in the city and contains proposed solutions under four headings, safety, transport, regeneration and waste collection. Well, for more on this, we're joined now by Dublin Town Chief Executive Richard Guiney and Finnegale TD Alan Farrell. You're both welcome. Richard, am I come to yourself first? Can you explain to me then what's in this four-point plan that Dublin Town has drawn up? Yeah, look, it, it, it's very much as you've said, um, you know, we took the opportunity while the focus is on, on the city centre to articulate in a, in a very concise way what we believe will turn the, the, the fortunes of the city around. So it does include enhancing those perceptions of safety, which is the main reason why people choose not to be in Dublin city centre. Uh, also looking at transport and access in the, in the round and uh, making it easier for people to get to the city. There is a belief that the city is becoming more difficult to access. So that's obviously an important one for us. And also regeneration. So we're looking at places like Talbot Street that um, perhaps have a, a new uses and need to find new uses. Um, but it is the public transport hub for the north side of the city and people don't feel as safe there uh, getting their public transport as we would like. So I think there's real scope for regeneration. You're looking at over the, the shop uses for Residential uses, artist uh, studio space, uh, bringing in artists, galleries, etc. Um, and basically, you know, uh, turning the fortunes around. Okay. And the final one is is around waste management and collections. And in terms of the increased Garda presence, then I suppose that would require more Garda, wouldn't it? Is, is that going to be a problem, do you reckon? Well, I have to say the the, uh, the visibility of Gardaí uh, on the run up to Christmas was exceptional. But even post Christmas, you know, we we do we certainly have seen uh, an increase in in the Garda presence. I was just noting uh, I was coming back from lunch myself, came through the Ilac Centre and through Arnott's and, and spotted four Gardaí on the beat, which is I think is very reassuring for the public. So there has been an increase in visibility, and that's something that we we do need to maintain. You know, when we ask people, you know, what would bring them to the city more uh, frequently, the the number one answer is more Gardaí, which mm. I suppose is a reflection on the fact that people don't feel as comfortable in the city as they should. OK, so Alan Farrell, do you think that can be maintained? Because we did see that the plan come to an end at the end of last year. Uh, well, good evening, Sarah and Richard. And yes, I, I do believe that we can maintain um, their current level of on-guard economy within the city centre. In fact, I think we will be increasing uh, the level of, of, of Garda representation within the city centre with ongoing recruitment. We have seen uh, an increase from just over 12,000 in 2015 up to just under 14,000 in 2023. In fact, it was over 14,000, but as we know, um, COVID did interrupt mm. uh, recruitment. Um, we have a, a target of between 800 and 1,000 on an annual basis, and we will continue to do that. But in Dublin city centre alone, the numbers are quite encouraging with over, I think it's 3,700 Gardaí assigned to, to DMR or to Dublin metropolitan region, which is right across the city. But more specifically, um, 280 okay. new Gardaí signed to Dublin um, since uh, mid-December. We, so we these found are out last week, there were new figures out last week, weren't there, that actually more Gardaí left the force last year than actually were recruited? 
Yeah, and that is reflected in the... Well, no, no I'm not sure that that is entirely uh, correct, but it, it, what is important to note is that there was a lag as a result of the slowdown of recruitment during the COVID year and a half, but we will catch up. As I've said, when we opened Temple Moor, or we opened Temple Moor, um, we have seen a steady increase in the number of Gardaí recruited. And just to give you an idea to so, illustrate so what, that. Sorry, the numbers I'm quoting here were in the in, in Independent last week. They say a total of 388 Gardaí were recruited last year, 520 left. Okay, well, yes, the, the, as I've said, there was a lag with recruitment as a result of the slowdown during the COVID year and a half or so. But something that is very encouraging, which has just been uh, notified, uh, brought to my attention, was that the current recruitment drive has seen a significant increase of uh, 1,400 additional persons apply for the current recruitment drive. So we have six and a half, 6,380 applicants. Last year, it was just 5,000. Mm. So and actually on that, uh, around I think 36% of those uh, new applications were aged between 35 and 49. So it looks like that campaign to get or, or allow indeed older people apply to be Garda uh, could, could yield some results. Absolutely, Sarah. And it's something I've spoken to you on the programme about before and something I'm really encouraged to see is that 35 to 50 age group being permitted to apply. And uh, the result of our steps a, to enable that to occur, but also an increase in the um, training allowance, which was being given to Gardaí while they're uh, in training in Templemore and County okay. Tipperary, uh, has gone up as well. So we are trying to incentivize so the trick will be to keep them, won't it, to, to reverse those figures of, of, of people leaving, um, outnumbering well, those, those being look, recruited. Okay. I, I want to go, I want to go back to Richard. Well Okay, yeah, I want, sorry, I want, uh, sorry, Alan, I want to go back to Richard. But on, on this car park idea, Richard, which I think is really interesting, this idea of using car parks at night as taxi hubs. Um, have you spoken to various owners of car parks? Where would the car parks be? You know, there's not that many car parks, are there, like on the ground in the city centre that would be useful for this that I can think of off the top of my head. I'm sure you have some ideas. Yeah, look, we have spoken to car park uh, operators and it is something that uh, they, they have expressed an interest in. I think, look, one of the, the main things is, um, you know, we do know that some people choose not to be in the city at night because of, um, you know, they're, they're fearful of not being able to get their taxis home. So I think in addition to actually having safe spaces where people can uh, get taxis, where you can have security, lighting, marshals, all of that, is that, you know, in the likes of Germany where they have um, apps where you can share taxis with people um, and share the cost and, and indeed, you know, that vital period between half one and half three when there is uh, there is more people looking for taxis than there are taxi availability. Mm. Just getting people home safely, I think, is a, you know, would is an important aspect of uh, a night out. Is that something, Alan, the government would support? Absolutely. I think it's a terrific idea and I'd like to thank Richard and his colleagues for making it. I mean, obviously on consultation with uh, car park operators and using the international example that Richard and his colleagues have highlighted will be an opportunity, for instance, for Dublin City Council in the first instance in conjunction with the Gardaí to try and figure out whether something like this would work. But anything that would encourage safety within the city centre, particularly at those key hours when taxis are swamped uh, with demand uh, would be would be the right thing to do. Yeah, but there's a twenty four hour public transport. That, that yeah, idea exactly. That's exactly what I was so going to move to. I think look, Dublin bus uh, certainly do provide twenty four hour buses on a number of routes. 
as part of the Bus Connects project, which is currently being rolled out across the city, I think there's ample opportunity for the for the bus providers, not just Dublin Bus, but Go Ahead and others as well, to provide 24-hour services out to the suburbs. But Irish Rail clearly have to pay their part, and I don't believe they are doing so at the moment. There are no trains after 25 to 12. Uh, northbound, I can't speak to southbound services. I you'd have to ask a southsider for that, Sarah. Mm. But I certainly know that when I'm working late in the Dáil, which happens from time to time, it can be quite difficult to, to, to get a train because the last one is at 25 to 12. Dublin City does not shut down at 25 to 12. There's mm. plenty of people in the city whom I believe could justifiably ask Irish Rail the legitimate question, when am I going to be able to get on a dart at midnight, at one, at half twelve, at one o'clock, Richard, at half have, one? Have you been in touch with Irish Rail about that? Um, we, we have made our views known um, to the NTA in terms of uh, night transport and the success of uh, the, the, the night buses certainly shows that there's a demand um, and we'd like to see that being extended to all of the uh, transport uh, options in the city. Okay, and just on the safe zones then, these taxi safe zones that you're talking about, who's responsible for them then? You know, it strikes me that insurance could be a big problem. You know, if there was an incident, you know, and somebody's meant to be providing security in a well-lit safe zone in inverted commas and, and then it's not safe, you know, who takes responsibility? Well, at the moment, people are on the, the street. Um, so, you know, the, the, there is uh, obviously the same kind of issues, but, you know, not not in a, in a structured fashion. Um, we very much welcome the establishment of the City Coordination Office by Dublin City Council. I think that's a really, really positive development and the, the people being assigned to it are, are very good people. And I think when, you know, what, what we saw in the run-up to Christmas was, you know, that the footfall actually increased in the city when we all put our minds together and, and uh, that was government, council, ourselves, Gardaí, Falter Ireland. Um, you know, we, we achieved something that I think, you know, at the beginning of December we didn't think we'd achieve. I think where there's a will, there's a way. And, you know, getting the, the, the right brains around the, the table and the right effort, I think we can do a lot in the city and it can be certainly replicated around the country as well. Yeah, Anne has texted to say that as she walks to town most days from the North Strand to grocery shop, um, she says vaping, nails, barbers and tattoos are all that's on offer on my side of the town currently. Oh, and eating and drinking outside in the rain, she says. There's so much wrong with the city and thinking of getting rid of through traffic will help is so wrong-headed. I don't know what you think of that, Richard. Well, I, I think there's more in the in the city and certainly on the north side. We've got uh, places like the Abbey Theatre and the Gate Theatre and uh, the Lab. And I think, you know, there's a, you know, we do have a, a very strong offering in the city. Um, I think we, there's some stuff that we can do better. And I suppose that's what we were doing in terms of just laying it out, what we thought uh, the issues were and how we can resolve them. So um, I'd like if, if uh, you know, I'd like to speak to Anne because there's certainly a lot, to, to, there's a lot we can do in the city. Um, and I think that we can enhance the experience and I think the offering is there to, to, to attract people in. Would you agree with that, Anne? I would, absolutely. I mean, there's no doubt that there is an underutilisation of buildings um, in the north inner city. There's no doubt about it. Um, there are schemes like the Living City Initiative, which is a, a tax incentive scheme for, for people to look at uh, overshop living to, to renovate those properties, to okay. turn them into livable communities and to incentivise things that Richard has rightly highlighted, like the arts 
and like other facilities that could potentially draw people in. But I think the you know the part pedestrianisation or removal of traffic from certain parts of the inner city is actually a really really good way to to re inject what the city centre is about in in its primary instance, which is a as a residence and b as a com- commercial hub. Right. But there's so much more to offer in the city centre, and I think that's what Richard and his colleagues have come up with is is pretty coherent. Okay, Alan Farrell and Richard Guiney, thank you both very much for joining us this evening. Can let us know what you think on that to five one double five one.